Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. God's good, amen? Do you know why we say amen in church? A lot of people don't know. I did not know for years. And it's okay. We are here to learn about what God says in his word. And the whole purpose of Faith Family Church is to be here to explain people. Amen is let it be unto me. You accept it. If it says it in God's word, you say amen. The Jewish culture, they say amen. Let it be unto me what you say. What you say, I receive it. So you hear that in church, like, amen. I used to grow up thinking, amen, what does that mean? You know, I don't hear people say, hey, you want to go to lunch? Amen. <laughs> you know, like, it's not something that we use in today's or the Western culture vernacular or vocabulary, but it's got a meaning behind it. And it's good for us to understand the meaning of what's being said in Scripture so we can live out what the Scripture says in our life. One thing about this church, this church is not here for us to just feel good and walk away like, I got my conscience cleansed. You know, God cleanses conscience when you read your word. This church is here to grow you up so you can be who God's called you to be. Amen. I'm going to um, pray and then we're going to start and we're just going to jump right in. Amen. Yeah. Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I just thank you that your word is here. Your word is alive and you watch over your word to perform. I thank you that your Holy Spirit's here to open the hearts of the hearers, to open blind eyes. If people can't see something that you say in Scripture, I thank you that your Holy Spirit reveals it to them so people walk away with understanding on how to apply your word to their life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've been doing a series. Oh, we all said amen. Awesome. <laughs> we've been doing a series called Cleaning Out My Closet. And last week, Pastor Eric did an amazing message. I thought it was awesome, right? For real. Give honor to where it's due. You know, um, it was amazing because he talked about your thought life. And most, how many of you guys have ever had arguments with somebody in your mind? I'm not the only one? Okay, good. There's a few of us. And you, you know that person so well that you know what they're going to say, so you're mad at what they're going to say, and they haven't said it yet. So you get in an argument with them in your mind, and you're like, I know they're going to say that, I, this is what they're going to say, and I'm mad. And then you see them, you're like, huh. And they have no idea why you're mad. No idea. Sometimes we do that in, with the Word of God. You know, I talked about cleaning out your closet, the start of the heart of the things that kind of we keep close to the vest. Pastor Eric talked about our thought life. We're going to close the series with this, and this is what I want you guys to see, is that there is a purpose for why God has us doing things his way. It's not that he just, well, I'm going to say what I want to say and I'm going to do. We are designed. If you look at science, things are designed. If you look at things that are in nature, uh, things are designed for purpose with a purpose. And we're going to see what the word says about our purpose for giving God our heart. Our purpose. What's the purpose? What's the why behind it? The last scripture I read in uh, two weeks ago was John 14, 23. 
says, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make your dwelling place. Now here's the problem some people have with God. They look at Jesus as this awesome guy. You know, he hung out with sinners, but his dad, he's kind of mean. You ever read the Bible and you kind of go, whoa, that seemed kind of harsh. I'm the only one? Okay, maybe I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> so I've read some scriptures. I've been like, oh man, that seems kind of harsh. But we have to know the heart of the Father. You know, Jesus said, I do the will of him who sent me. And we're going to go back to the beginning in Genesis. And I want you to see that God, the heart of the Father, is not this cold, it's not this grouchy, it's not this irritable person. Oh, that person's happy? Come on, get a lightning bolt. Come on, Jesus. That person's having fun in life? Oh, we're going to take care of them. But so many people associate God with judgment and wrath. And you know that it's the love that the Father had for mankind that sent his son? Do you know that's the love that God had for creation? To where God created the heavens and the earth, and he made it, he designed it for man. You guys ready to jump in? Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Some people have a hard time with that, but let me tell you something. When you die, you breathe the last breath, and guess what? We're going back to the dirt. There's going to be some stopping power. They're going to try to delay it. We're going to get some stuff put inside us so we look pretty for the funeral. But we're going back to where we became, where we started. Our bodies are going back to the earth. I encourage you, read the Bible for its entirety. The Lord God, all right, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight. And what? Good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden, and the water to... Uh, rewind. Can we take two, Rachel? <laughs> I know. Darn. Man. Had a good run. But here we go. Nobody's perfect. Now the river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon, it is the one which skirts the whole land of Hevalia, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Uh, Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gahan. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hittakel. It is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. The fourth river is Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, to tend and keep it. The Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam. I want to stop right there for a second. Do you hear how God said it's not good for man to be alone? 
what I see in the beginning in Genesis is a guy who really cared about his creation. Do you know that the Bible says what we just read is that God literally formed every beast of the field, he formed every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam. It wasn't like he just put man there and he was absent. He created man, he created the beast, and then he literally walked them to Adam. He said, Adam, name these. He was involved. He was heavily involved. But so many times we look at God as being this distant figure, and the whole point of creation was so that God could be close. You guys getting this? And the Lord, uh, and Adam called each living creature that it was named. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And think about how good God was. He's like, hey, buddy. Look what I got for you. <laughs> and you know what happened? Adam said, the first recorded song in the Bible or poetry. He was inspired by her beauty. He said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The best part of him was taken out of him to be there for him. Now listen to this. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And 25, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We serve a good God. We serve a God who cares for us. We serve a God who loves us. This is not the picture of a grumpy old man in the clouds in the sky waiting to judge you, waiting to punish you. But this is a man who has amazing foresight and foreknowledge. He is a creator. He is a designer. And he told man, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So many people look at that and say, well, that's such a harsh judgment. It's not. He designed man to live forever in communion with him. Man committed treason. Man committed treason. Did we see in Scripture that God went there and killed Adam and Eve? You sinned against me? Get the bolts! Whoosh. But we view God that way. Do you know that the, the death process started when man committed treason against God? And you know the redemption process started before the foundations of the earth were made? You guys getting this? We serve a loving God. We also serve a God that has design. Man wasn't designed to do it his way. He was designed to do it God's way. Man decides to do it his way. Death comes. Why did you let this happen? I gave you the authority to make your decisions. We starting to see the true heart of God here? Man was designed to be in a good standing with God. God gave him a good environment, and the community with Eve was good. You know that when God made man, he said it was very good. He was well pleased with what he did and well pleased with his design. This from the beginning, Adam and Eve experienced what the word is, shalom. 
Shalom in the Bible, in the, in the Hebrew, leads, means literally wholeness. They were completely whole from within, not lacking anything. But when they went from whole from within to committing treason against God, death came and they were no longer whole. Void came. God took them out of the garden because guess what? If they went and they ate of the tree of life, they would forever be in a state where God could never reach them. But he had a plan, and his name was Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, when you look at what the scripture says, realize that God in the beginning had shalom. There was harmony. And when man sinned, the universe was affected by it. Do you know that the, there was no killing amongst the animals? When I was on my job site, we have a couple hundred acres that we're developing. And you see a lot of crazy stuff, like crazy things. We have a bunch of coyotes out there. They actually ate a cat. I did not feed them a cat. I don't like cats, but I had nothing to do with it. I actually warned people. I'm like, get your cats because we have these dogs out on the site. One of the guys working for us one day said, hey, you know what happened? I was like, no. He goes, some lady from the apartments came over and asked if her little, she had a little like chihuahua dog could play with my dog. I was like, your dog? You don't have a dog. He goes, I know. It was the coyote. <laughs> and I'm like, well, did you tell her no? He goes, yeah. I told her it was a coyote. And then she went, ah, and she grabbed her dog. See, people don't realize that there's a danger out there. People with God, God tells us things not to be, a, oh, you want to have fun? No. You're going to be spiritual. You're going to be holier than thou. He wants us to live life and life to the full. He tells us not to do things, not so we don't have fun, but that we could have and experience the shalom, the wholeness. We're talking about cleaning out our closet. You know that when you give God everything, he fills you with everything. You guys getting this? Man's, let me say it this way. Man and his efforts is like me taking my front end loader on a racetrack and getting frustrated why my front end loader cannot compete. Why can't it get the fast lap times? Us living life outside of the shalom, the wholeness that God has for us, giving God our entire heart, we experience that in life. We go in life and we're like, I'm going to do, I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you this, but I want you to work on this as if I gave it to you. Why aren't I getting the results you said in your word? I prayed. You prayed, you didn't do it my way. I'm the designer. That's what God's saying back. You give it to me, I'll change your life. You keep it, you can continue to be the God of your life in that area. And get the results. I was going to have this lamp as an illustration, but I couldn't find one. So many of us as Christians, we put God in this lamp. And we say, God, I'm going to give you this. I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you this. This hidden thing. And then we get ourselves in trouble, and then we're like, please come. Please come. Am I the only one? Well, you guys are way more spiritual than I am. <laughs> yeah. 
How many of you guys make last-minute promises to God? If you do this, I promise I'll do this. Why? You know what you're realizing? The fruit of your godliness. You being the God in your life and not allowing God to be God in your life. Are you guys getting this? God did not call us to, to give us happiness. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that God said, I called you to be happy. You know why? Do you know that God out of nothing created everything? Do you know that happiness is based on outside circumstances? Well, if things are going right, I'm happy. If they're going wrong, what happens? Hmm. Do you know that God created us in his image and his likeness to where we could have this joy that in the midst of life and death situation, my joy is full. You could be like Joel Osteen, always happy. The joy is full, brother. It's a joke. One person. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> when you have joy that is full, any circumstance, good or bad, you're okay. Pastor Mike did a message on, are you being a temperature gauge or are you being the thermostat? Are you a victim to your life and what's going on? Or are you calling those things that be not as though they were like God? Are you declaring the promises of God that in this, I'm going to worship my God? I'm not worshiping him because he sent this, but in this, I know the only way out is to look up. John 17, 13, this is Jesus talking. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that you may have my joy made full in themselves. Think about that. You guys see that? Should we read it again? His joy is full in themselves. Whose joy? His joy. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You guys getting something? I need, I need like cooperation. I'm like, I use my hand, walk around. My son yesterday, he was sitting there like, Dad, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, you keep moving your hands. I was like, I'm preaching. He goes, you're not saying anything. I was like, no, there's hundreds of people. I'm preaching in front of hundreds. And he goes, okay. So he's like... But I was seeing myself, I was practicing, and I, I, I moved, so I need some interaction. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious what? Joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The difference from where we stand now to where we stood as mankind in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, people thought, hey, God, you give us standards, we can do it. You ever have somebody that signed a piece of paper and they didn't read the fine, fine print? I've done that before, you know, with a cell phone. You realize it's like a thousand words of what they're not going to do for you. And you're like, okay, cool, it's a new phone, yeah, great. They did that with God. They said, uh, God wanted the children of Israel, they were freed from Egypt, and they, they come out of the slavery and oppression, and he brings them to this mountain, 
And he says, listen, everybody come up to the mountain. They're like, no, we don't want that. We want you on our terms, so give us a list that you want us to do. We'll do it, and everything's good. So you know what God said? You want a list? Here's the list. These ten commandments. If you can do this, you're good. And guess what? Every one of us until Jesus has failed miserably at it. And the Pharisees, when they thought they got it right, you know what Jesus said? Um, you know the Ten Commandments is referring to your heart. It's not just your outward actions. I don't care about that as much as I care about who you really are. So the guys who are sitting there judging other people for committing horrible sins actually condemn themselves by the same judgment. Talk about dropping a hammer. So the Old Testament, Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Old Testament, you had to guard your heart, because it's hard. People frustrate you, <clears throat> rage in here. Come on, I need one. You know, it's like we Amazon it. I want one order of rage, one order of grudging, and what else do we have? What else do we deal with? Uh, unforgiveness, yes. Much unforgiveness, as much as I could take. And we put in our heart. And then people say, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm doing fine, you know, and you're sweeping the unforgiveness underneath the rug, and you're like, everything's great, brother and sister, and we say all the right things, but then they leave, they're like, <laughs> and the true you comes out, the beast, the monster. We dealt with this the first week, but God comes in and he changes your heart. See, the Old Testament, we couldn't do it. We guard our heart. We're like, I'm guarding it, but there's so much unforgiveness. There's so much lust. There's so much envy. There's so much pride. I can't do it. Yes, I know. That's why I'm sending a Savior. Philippians 4, 4 through 6, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's that joy. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. Where is that hand? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses understanding. Well, what? His peace guards your heart now. Your effort before wasn't good enough, so God sent Jesus, and now his joy he gives you. His peace, my peace will guard your heart if you give it to me. Are we letting God stand at the doorpost of your heart? His peace which will guard you. When you give God your heart or your closet, his peace guards you. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, what else? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I used to read that all the time. I'm like, man, well, that's the Holy Spirit. You know that you were made, you were recreated, and that's actually the recreated human spirit? You know that your spirit now wants to Walk in love with people. Your spirit now, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, wants to have God's joy. Wants to have, what else does it want to have? His what? Peace. Wants to have his what? His patience. You don't understand how annoying they are. I don't have to. You have to understand. You have God's patience. You don't know how frustrated they are so rebellious. God knows with that. He dealt with the children of Israel, and he deals with you. Okay, here we go, right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, New King James Version. I love the New King James. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, 
not of what? Works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his what? He's designed us to fulfill things for his purpose. Are you seeing this? Okay. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Man, it's just like Genesis. I see the same God in Genesis as I do right here. We're created for good works, which what? God prepared what? Beforehand that we should do what? Walk in them. Guess what? You have to decide to walk in them. Now here is where there's been some confusion over this. How many of you guys ever heard of Martin Luther? He was a great theologian. He got such a revelation of how there's nothing you can do to get saved. But then there's this book in the Bible called James. And it seems, if you read it without the light of the scripture, it seems to totally contradict what Paul says. Because Paul says there's nothing you can do to get saved. We just read that, right? You're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Here's where James come from. We can't receive anything from God based on our works or effort, but we were saved to do good works. And we cannot do the work which we are called unless we completely give God our hearts. So James is coming at the believers. James comes and he's like, listen, you guys want to just read it? We'll read it. Yes, Chris, okay, all right. <laughs> Thank you for the interaction. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? That's James 2.14. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead and prove to me that you have faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works as proof that I believe. You know, another thing he's saying is proof that I've given God my heart. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they are unchanged and they remain demons. Let's not be like the demons. Let's sit there. It's okay. There's going to be a lot of people that don't make heaven that believe that God is God. Until you give God your heart, that's, that's the whole point here. You guys getting this? James 2.18, it says, O feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? How do we do it then? I've asked the question, how do we do it? We give him our heart and we allow him to be Lord. He did not, he did not come down to be our friend first, he came to be our Lord first and Savior first. And in doing that, we become his friend. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.